you, 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 you are about to experience Vegas bad boys of podcasting. Fortunately, you are about to hear lots of opinions, but uh, rarely any facts. Impersonations might occur, but uh, good luck trying to figure them out. This program is not intended for kids or the easily offended. Listener discretion is advised. You have been warned. You press play. It's too late to stop. Get ready to podcast. All righty. Welcome to another edition of Vegas Bad Boys of Podcasting. I'm DJ Impact, and I got Sin City Steve here and Matt Michaels here, and we are your Vegas Bad Boys. And this is our three count. Thank you for hanging out with us. By all means, if you're watching us on Facebook Live, please jump in the chats. We love to hear what you have to say. And as we see fit, we will get the comments in there. All right. So uh, thank you for hanging out with us. Let's get started. Count one from ringsidenews.com. It's titled, is that Rebby? Is that her name? Okay, Rebby Hardy explodes on Matt Hardy, hater, slinging shade at AEW. Okay, and it goes a little something like this. AEW has a lot of eyeballs on him right now, and some fans love punching holes in anyone's boat, even if it's in the lake of reincarnation. A move that Matt Hardy executed on AEW Rampage rubbed one fan the wrong way, and they had to let Rebby Hardy know about it. Of course, Queen Rebecca didn't take that well. One fan boldly tweeted out, quote, I wonder how at Rebby Hardy explains manure Matt's botched elbow drop. Hashtag AEW sucks. Hashtag Matt Hardy sucks, end quote. This negative viewpoint was found by Rebby Hardy and her mentions. And Rebby Hardy didn't take this message well at all. In fact, she took this opportunity to shut that hater down in a huge way. She also called this hater for going out of their way to sling that shade. Now, it says here, imagine um, going out of your way like this to try to instigate some shit on the internet with somebody you don't know. LMAO, bitch, what? Hmm. It seems that some fans... Just don't learn that Rebby Hardy keeps an eye on her Twitter mentions. And don't tweet her unless you expect a response. In this case, the response was not one that this fan probably expected. Then again, some people might be looking for a response just like the one Rebby Hardy provided. All right, Matt Michaels, you're the one that uh, came with this particular story. Tell us, uh, what was your take on this when you saw it? Well, my my honest you know, reaction to this was very simple. And that was um, that this author, um, what the fuck, dude? People are <laughs> like entitled to call people out when shitty fucking wrestling is going on. And I'm not talking shitty wrestling in terms of, yeah, okay, that match wasn't that good, or this person's not great, blah, blah, blah. When you have a future Hall of Fame person literally drop an elbow five feet away from the guy's fucking body 
It was one of the saddest things I think I've seen, uh, you know, Matt Hardy ever do in his career. Yeah. Um, it was a, it was also a horrible camera angle because they gave full on, you know, scope where you can see that the elbow just like totally came nowhere near his body, not even nowhere near his head, just nowhere near the body for God's sakes. Uh, yeah. Also, Orange was face down on the canvas. So usually when you drop an elbow and you pin a guy, they're on their back and you drop the elbow. Right. Best. There were just like a whole bunch of things just not right with uh, how this match ended. Um, and on top of that, Jim Cornette actually had a little shout out for, um, for people who... Uh, you know, like to say how good AEW is. And his thing was, this is why wrestling is not considered real is because of uh, stuff like that. And uh, the lumberjacks outside of the ring <laughs> gave Orange Cassidy some of the most brutal um, limp wristed uh, punches you'll ever see. <laughs> <laughs> where you can see it's just the hand i mean the hand is just going like this oh boy it was it was just really really sad um and and basically cornette's thing was that people are just lazy they're they don't care they don't care yeah. about new things including yeah. matt hardy now the the thing personally tagging uh revy was a that was great that was great because she is kind of you know, a little, uh, a little nuts when it comes to responding to fans who have anything negative to say. So the guy knew what he was doing. The guy knew he was going to be, you know, making her, he was trolling her. Right. And so, um, so it's, you know, it's just ridiculous that in this day and age, when you see something on TV that is in front of your eyes, that the thought that you can't tag that person's wife who has other things to say about um, what's going on and how great her husband is, which is great <laughs> finding her husband, but at the right. same time, come on. Um, I don't know, man. I think that uh, we should all start tagging Rebby in every single <laughs> post. Just everything. I mean, Sid City, you probably can say that this person who who shot her out maybe had had some points he yes he was trolling but he wanted to make himself clear on what happened you know maybe this could be looked at as stop half-assing it do better next time what's your take so the thing that i learned from this from this little uh twitter spat and the fact <laughs> that we're covering this on the show is that if I ever want to put over my Twitter account, then I just need to tweet something at somebody and then suggest it as a topic. Matt Michaels, I know that you fucking tweeted this shit out yourself. <laughs> and now you're just fucking, oh yeah, let's just suggest this is a three count article. <laughs> and now we're talking about it. So nice. this is putting you over. I mean, the hashtags gave it away. AEW sucks and Matt Hardy sucks. I know that that shit's all you, bro. Oh man, I oh. think I was only smart enough to tag Remy to get to get other people to pick up on it. That would have been great. <laughs> um, it, in all seriousness, um, 
so as is as was alluded to in this uh, in this in this blurb uh, on this site, this is definitely not the first time that uh, Rebby Hardy has gone off on fans. Yeah. Um, she, uh, she's done this numerous times, especially, uh, you know, I, I, the, the last time that this happened was, uh, after the, uh, the injury issue with Matt Hardy and AEW, mm-hmm. um, and, you know, fans were, you know, talking shit about it and, and all that kind of stuff. Um, not only did she talk shit about AEW themselves, but also, um, you know, she was, she was lobbing them up there to, to fans as they were, you know, launching insults and talking shit and everything. At this point, I, dude, I just have to give Rebby Hardy an A plus in trolling on Twitter because she <laughs> is, she is absolutely living her best life and she is just going after these trolls by trolling them. So that, Hey, yeah. I got no problems with it. I, I, I just sit back and I laugh and insert the, uh, you know, one of the many popcorn eating um, gifts. And, you know, that's, that, yeah. that's me. You know, I, I love, I love a good troll session on Twitter. I love doing it myself. So uh, yeah, I, I I'm cool with it. All right. All right. Well, let's get on to our second count. That comes from WrestlingInc.com titled Bruce Pritchard on why the two-man booth is best for pro wrestling. And this is how it reads. On the latest episode of Something to Wrestle With with Bruce Pritchard, the director of both Raw and SmackDown, he spoke about the commentary booth on why he believes a two-man team is the best option. And Raw currently runs a three-man booth with Corey Graves, Byron Saxton, and Jimmy Smith, while SmackDown has just Michael Colin and Pat McAfee. And Pritchard mentioned why he's not a fan of three or more people on commentary, as well as arguing between commentators. Quote, it sucks, end quote. Pritchard said about the infighting with commentators. Quote, realistically, two-man booth is the best in pretty much anything from football, wrestling, baseball. It's just hard to distinguish when you get beyond two guys that have any kind of chemistry at all. You get comfortable with and they can tell stories without you stepping on each other. You add a third man in the booth, much less, oh, oh, God, I mean, a three-man booth is difficult and I don't think it's the greatest thing in the world any more than it. It is just waters everything down and makes it difficult for anybody to get a word in edgewise, end quote. And then after reading from Wrestling in the Ring, JBL took on the role of being a commentator for WWE and called several marquee matches. The WWE Hall of Famer was known as a very controversial and combative during his time behind the desk. Bruce Pritchard spoke about JBL during commentary and revealed how much of his comments were himself or Vince McMahon. And the director of Raw and SmackDown said JBL did his job, was meant to stir shit while doing WWE commentary. I say it's probably 70-30 JBL, Pritchard said. Looks, that's John's job to be controversial mouthpiece at the desk. That's what he did. He was controversial. He was meant to stir shit up. So that was his job. That was his character. And that's what he did. And that's the end quote there from all that. All right. Since City, before I go over to you, let me just throw in my two cents. Uh, I I hear what he's saying, and um, and and yes, I do enjoy uh, McAfee and and Cole's commentary. But maybe I've just gotten so used to Corey and Byron's 
I have come to enjoy hearing them going back and forth. And to me, it doesn't necessarily not allow Jimmy to still get in to sort of do whatever play-by-play that needs to be said. Now, I have seen where that can be difficult from maybe on the AEW side when they have three or more. I have like, wait, what's going on? You know, it's a lot of jumble there. So maybe the the fact that Corey and Byron have been doing it so long, I know the the main play-by-play has changed before Cole was there and but they have gotten really kind of used to knowing how to do that without stepping on to Jimmy. But in that case, I would say I, that it works. And um, so I agree, but I kind of disagree. It's, I guess what I'm saying with Bruce, it really, I guess it really would depend on the chemistry on that is really what it comes down to. Uh, but what's your take, Sin City? This was your story. Uh, you agree with Bruce or uh, disagree? I completely agree with him, and I mm-hmm. found it extremely interesting that he is the director of both Raw and SmackDown, and he is voicing his extreme displeasure of having multi-person commentating booths. Um, when mm-hmm. that is a that is a staple of Raw, um, that's something yeah. that they've done for quite some time, and um, I'm not a fan of of the multi-person booth. Um, Mm -hmm. whether it's on raw, whether it's on NXT, whether it's on AEW, where they have literally 20 people doing commentary (laughs) from one week Mm -hmm. to the next. Um, I, I think that it is jumbled and it is easy for people unless they have dynamic personalities to get lost in the shuffle. Uh, I think that, you know, having one person, essentially make it their mission to just go after and lob insults at another color commentator. I'm not, I'm not a fan of that. Um, I think that, you know, even I know that you were huge on ring of honor. Um, mm-hmm. I think that, I think that Ian Riccoboni and yep. uh, Caprice Coleman, I think that yep. they were probably one of the best commentating duos Absolutely. in professional wrestling. And I think that, and they did know, sometimes if, have guests. They did have the third person, not as a regular, that come on. Did. But yeah, they did. And and that's the thing is it when it's done where you bring in a guest commentator, I have no problems with that. Yeah. But ultimately, at the end of the day, you know that you're going to get, you know, you're going to get your hamburger with your French fries. You're going to get your steak and your potatoes. You don't need another side dish in there to to jumble things up. Um, that's just my view on it, but I think I, I, I really, really wish that they would, that they could find a way to go back to a two person booth on raw. Uh, I really wish that they could go to a two person booth on AEW, um, which obviously would mean that they have to cut their commentating team in half if they went to two, because they typically always have four and it's, Sometimes with AEW, I'm, I'm finding that I'm turning the commentating down or even off. Uh, I actually like um, I like watching Dark Elevation because you're just having, you know, two commentators and occasionally a third. Um, so it, it, it's just a personal preference thing. But I found it sure. extremely ironic that the, the, the director of both Raw and SmackDown came out and and. Uh, voiced his displeasure with the, with a multi-person booth as publicly as he did. 
You know, Matt Michaels, for starters, I, you know, what irritates me first off about SmackDown, I think the volume is not up enough on their commentators. I'm always kind of going, man, I can't hear, you know. Um, but on Raw, I have, I really have come to enjoy listening to, you know, I, I love to hear when, of course, you watch a talent, someone literally just cheat, and Corey Graves sits and tells you, well, you know, he had to do what he had to do, or he just didn't cheat at all. I enjoy hearing that and hearing Byron just losing his mind. So, no, no, no. you see, I know. No, you had it right with enjoy hearing Corey. Oh, <laughs> okay. Well, what's your take on this whole thing, man? I mean, uh, you, you agree with Bruce, it should just be two, and that's it, period. Well, first off, Brian, Byron Saxon is uh, Excalibur without a mask. <laughs> All right. He's just white noise. He's horrible. Get him the fuck out of there. I hate I hate the fact that he's still on and get rid of him. But if he uh, okay, um, let, let me just I know continue yeah. before you continue your thoughts. So, so you you do you believe Corey can still do what he's doing, but Jimmy would be good enough to be able to counter that? Because Jimmy don't sound like he's 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 really taking on the play by play, not so much trying to counter what Corey is saying. Or you don't think Corey should just be doing what he's doing, period, as far as being a color commentator. Did you ever watch SmackDown? Yeah. Yeah, Corey did that when he was him and Cole. Yeah, but I get that. But we're talking – I mean, Cole and Jimmy are, are completely different. Cole's uh, been – is- Listen to Jimmy. Jimmy can handle his own, and he has handled himself with – he's not just doing play-by-play anymore, man. I don't hear him countering as much because that's Byron's job. So if you hear him countering everything that Corey says, I just don't hear it. I'm not saying he can't. I just don't hear it a lot. So I don't know if he well, can. First off, let's go to Bruce's point that how the fuck can you identify who's who? Because all three of them sound pretty much the same. All right. That's a big problem. Um, but no, he's he's better at handling. So get rid of Saxon. What the hell are we even arguing this? Come on. Come on. Get rid of him. He's fucking awful. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. Um, <laughs> okay. Bye, Byron. Thanks release him. Let a let AEW rampage pick him pick him oh, up. Oh no, please. All right. Don't 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 do that. Listen, I want somebody to pick up uh going back to Caprice and Riccaboni. Who gonna get those two? That's what I'm saying. I mean, that's the steal. <laughs> you know, but continue. Um Probably AEW. They're probably going to sign them and put them on another internet program or whatever. <laughs> oh, Jesus. <laughs> um, no, I think uh, you know if you if you watched Rampage this uh, this past Friday, there was one moment that Jericho and I think it was Taz. Um, they literally were telling each other to shut up. Which is just like that's how fucking like disarray the 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 broadcasting can get when you have, um, especially when you have guys who, on top of they're not being a gel, now they're also like you got Taz's fucking faction presenting a you know opportunity while Taz is at the table like. Mm-hmm just kind of not really committing a hundred percent. Wouldn't you commit to a hundred percent that he should be, you know, taking the opportunity, which is, that was stupid. Uh, you got Jericho. Jericho needs to either retire from the ring for a while and just 
be on commentary mm-hmm. uh, or um, retire from the ring for a while. Um, but the, the truth is, is that again, it's like when you have these guys who are currently wrestling, it just really kind of gets it all kind of uh, mashed up because in some ways they're in business for themselves. So you have like multi layers of problems across the boards. The two man booth is the easiest on the ears. It worked for monsoon and Ventura. It worked mm-hmm. when, uh, you know, Keaton would be on commentary with uh, Shivani. Um, anytime you added that third person mix in WCW, WCW, um, that always seemed to take away a little bit as well. Um, so even though you'd put a guy like Tanae in that position, um, it still was just, it was just a hodgepodge of people trying to get their stuff in. And um, the, the other thing too, is that I don't know, Bruce really doesn't, I don't think he has any say over the broadcast though. Cause isn't that Kevin Dunn? Because technically he's the um, the producer of the television show. Bruce is the head writer and the head booker, right? So if anyone, it'd be Kevin Dunn who could easily solve this by putting Byron Saxon on a like a plane and just you know not <laughs> telling him where he's going and take the cell phone and. Give him no return ticket. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but but hey, even NXT, um, I think that it's great that Beth is getting the opportunity to do it. But at times, I find that even with that, it's it's just a little too much of, um, it's just too oversell sometimes. Mm-hmm. Because you know, Beth is the face, and Barrett is the the heel, and the the reason that it worked for Jesse Ventura or good heel commentators is that they had a straight, a straight by the, the books play by play person. You didn't need that, um, that face fill in, right? Because Mm -hmm. they're calling it by the straight and narrow, right? You know, come on, this, you know, you can't be doing that. And it worked. And I think he's right about uh, also sports broadcasts as well. You know, you start getting three people in there. It just, it turns into a lot of, you know, trying to get your shit in. And But you don't need three people in sporting. I mean, what are you trying to say at a basketball or football event? Why would you need three people for someone to say that what happened didn't happen? And you got to treat it different from wrestling. You know, it doesn't make sense to have that in, in professional sports. But in wrestling, possibly. It depends. I think it's done, I think it's done good on Raw. I don't think it's done good on AEW. I think it probably just depends on the relationship. That's my take on it. Okay. That's my take. Yeah. Thank you. So so when did you get in bed with Byron Sachs? <laughs> Jesus. <sighs> oh. Listen to the guy. He's fucking awful. <laughs> All right. I no, seriously. I I I listen. We should start our own company and 
once uh, Excalibur and once Saxon are relieved <laughs> from their contracts, we'll hire them to do commentary. And then you can tell me why that was a great idea. Just them two? Just them two. Oh, boy. I don't want to do that. All right. Let's go over into our third count. And that is coming from Sports Illustrator, which is uh, saying AEW is proving to be the perfect home for CM Punk. All right, so I'm going to start here from the middle of the article. It says, so far, all of Punk's opponents were chosen knowing that the emphasis would be on the, on the wrestling. The psychology and methodology Punk brings to his matches is a breath of fresh air, and he has made this run all about giving back. Quote, it's apples and oranges, but in terms of a big free agent helping change the dynamic of a company, WCW was a great company that had huge stars with Ric Flair and Sting, Khan says. Quote, when Hulk Hogan came in right away, he worked with Ric Flair and Vader. It would have been interesting had he worked with Stunning Steve Austin or Flying Brian Pillman and Dustin Rhodes and some veterans too, like Paul Orndorff for revisiting their history before working with the top stars. Quote, I don't want to reimagine history because obviously WCW rose to great heights, but for AEW, I thought it'd be great to see CM Punk against a wide variety of opponents. And it's all about wrestling and the fans, and that's a perfect marriage for AEW. I'm expecting another great match tonight. And it also says, uh, end quote, and Punk has found an oasis to give back in AEW. All right, guys, so... Uh, since CM Punk has been back, uh, he's had his match against uh, Darby Allen, Powerhouse Hobbs, Daniel Garcia, Matt Seidel, Bobby Fish, and, of course, Eddie Kingston. Let me start with you, Sin City Steve. Um, would you say that uh, CM Punk has really just been given back, or more importantly, is he doing kind of what Khan was saying, you know, in terms of the right people he should be putting over and uh, and it's proving to be that this is a perfect home for him versus anywhere else. What's your say? Well, I will, uh, I will defer part of uh, part of what you said to Matt Michaels, because okay. I know how he feels and uh, I will let him eloquently state that, but okay. mm -hmm. um, I, it, it is good to see him work against guys in the middle of the card. Um, realistically speaking, um, he has worked with people that realistically while the match outcome has not factored into things. And uh, that's kind of why I'm leaving that ball on the tee for Matt. Mm -hmm. um, those people being in the, in the ring with punk who is a, a very proven commodity is somebody that the fans have been clamoring to see for years. Um, I, I think that by them working with him and having competitive matches um, that it has helped to solidify them in the ranks of the roster. Now, in terms of uh, the slotting, I think that that was done absolutely perfectly. Uh, I, I don't think that he should have gone in and immediately, you know, challenged for the AEW championship, for instance, okay. uh, but having him, having him work, uh, in the middle of the show, uh, with 
largely uh, up and coming or underdeveloped talents, um, or in the case of a Bobby Fish, uh, somebody who is relatively um, not overly known um, to a lot of the audience. Um, the only way that people knew Fish was be you know because of his time in NXT. Um, obviously you're going to have those people that, that did follow him, you know, from ring of honor, from new Japan, things of that nature. Um, but guys like Daniel Garcia, guys like, um, Darby Allen. Um, I think that putting those young guys in the ring with CM Punk, uh, did help to raise their stock. So in that view, I think that that did accomplish the, uh, the goal and, um, yeah, yeah I, I have no problems with the slotting on the card. All right, Matt Michaels. Uh, I mean, the article um, is titled AEW Proven to be the Perfect Home for CM Punk. And part of what uh, Tony Khan said during that article was, hey, look, when Hogan came in, he went right away to work with Flair and, and Vader then. It, but it would have been interesting if he was working with Stunning Steve Austin or Brian Pillman or, or Dustin Rhodes, um, you know, and some veterans, too. Is that, could you say, is that what you see now with CM Punk going over Darby Allin, Powerhouse Hobbs, Daniel Garcia, Matt Seidel, Bobby Fish, Eddie Kingston? Is that a good comparison to what Tony Khan mentions here against uh, Hulk Hogan in WCW? Um. I well, it's just <laughs> okay. Take a breath, yeah. Take a breath. You're welcome. Here, here's his here's his quote in this article. Uh, I had this date Wednesday, October twenty seventh, circled a long time ago. Khan says this is mm -hmm. our first Wednesday back from the time shifting, which was the two weekends, uh, the two Saturday weekend shows. Mm -hmm. I, uh, I intentionally booked all his television dates on Rampage, knowing that I wanted to give our fans something really special on Dynamite, and that is the Dynamite debut of CM Punk. Well, the uh, they couldn't draw a million, A, so that was really special, Tony Khan. <laughs> B, Steve just called it out and said um, that Bobby Fish is not someone that is particularly really a household name, right? So right. you basically gave him an opponent that there was no setup or history for the, the casual viewer or the newer AEW viewer who might not be 32 or 42 or 52 years old, right? Right. Um, their demo has been going down um, in a weird way um, between the younger viewers, too. Yeah. So ultimately, in Tony Khan's mind, he's a fucking genius. But in reality, yeah. Um, if you think about what he's saying, like Hulk Hogan should have debuted in WCW against guys like Steve Austin and Brian Pillman. It's yeah. just like, what the fuck, dude? <laughs> just, it doesn't make any sense. Right. Now, 
putting punk with these guys um has been a sure that's a good that's a very good idea but you know the common thread through all of this is cm punk has not lost to a single one of those guys right and you took a guy like will hobbs why didn't you give him some kind even if it's not a, a clean pin give him the victory over punk make him seem like he is something like bobby fish really doesn't need it right yeah. been around for a while he's not going to be the guy you're building up but a will hobbs or a darby allen yeah why not what the fuck and then cm punk in this article which you didn't read mm-hmm. has this whole thing about in 2002 how eddie guerrero you know was released from wwf at the time or wwe and mm-hmm. um you know is making his way through this uh you know, this independent uh, promotion in the Midwest um, uh, before, you know, going back to the WWE. This was right after his rehab and everything. And CM Punk was just like, man, you know, he didn't have to do that for us, but he, would, he did that, blah, blah, blah. And the gist of it was Eddie Guerrero basically put over CM Punk. Well, Punk's not being like Eddie Guerrero. In fact, Punk actually says, I'm not saying I'm Eddie Guerrero. No shit, CM Punk. No shit. (laughs) You are not Eddie Guerrero because you're still out for one person, and that is Phil. And you know what? Good for you, man. Um, I don't know, man. I think out of all all these signings, this one was the most problematic because of the fact that Mm. Tony's probably put probably some of the biggest money in him. And it looks like punk has got a very Hogan like uh, yay or nay on going over. So, you know, if you really wanted to change everything, if you didn't want to be like these guys, then don't be like the guys and fucking start letting some of these young guys actually get some shine work longer programs too for fuck's sake because so far that he hasn't been working any programs longer than what about two weeks of build-up right we may one match top. yeah exactly one match no one no yeah. no one's no one's gotten a rematch yeah nothing nothing and then and then these one-offs like you know hobbs was a one-off and you know um we didn't even see him go any further with the taz crew it was just like well, I beat that guy, so naturally I'm going to move on to someone else I can just beat and then lower their stock in your company. I, you know, and the problem isn't necessarily as much with CM Punk. The problem is, is that Tony Khan, he just thinks he's so fucking good at booking shit. And the, the, the honest answer is that has he taken a stance and told someone like punk hey you know what i don't want to see you go over i want this guy to win i don't think he has i don't think he has the balls to do that to his buddies and that's what's gonna fuck him in the end yeah just just to ask you guys right quick so the article is titled aw's proven to be the perfect home for cm punk 
Would you agree with that? It could just be a yes. And if it's a yes, then that stops there. If you say no, then tell me what would you think would have been a perfect call? Impact, New Japan, WWE, or it is. So it's just yes or no. And where do you think? Let me start with you. Sin City, AEW proven to be a perfect home. Is it a perfect home for him? It is the best option that's available. Yes. Okay. Matt Michaels. So the perfect home for CM Punk would have been his house in Chicago. <laughs> I, I honestly, I have never, I've never thought seven years gone. And I've never once thought to myself, boy, man, I really like to see CM Punk back. You know, what's and crazy. You are, uh, you were Chicago's guy. I mean, you're, you're, you're born, you're, you're a Chicago guy and you're not sold on the whole idea of, of him at this moment. No. Okay. No. Well, wait, wait, wait. At this moment, I, I have not been sold on him for years. It's it's so not- when he was in WWE, was you sold on him? No. Oh, okay. Wow. Okay. No, wow. I and, and and quite honestly, for me, CM Punk stopped existing when he left Ring of Honor. Mm. And and that's it. Because the truth of the matter is, is that he wants you to believe that he's still that indie guy, but he's a money mark now. And Mm -hmm. that's, you know, that's the thing. I go back to saying this. If he was so passionate about pro wrestling, then where the fuck was he five years ago in ROH or in New Japan or in MLW or NWA or Impact, even for God's sakes. Sure. You know, and the Impact's a stretch because that was, you know, a little more money. But he wasn't going out and going and, and like, hey, I'm going to wrestle because I love wrestling. He was holding out for someone to say, hey, we're not the WWE and we're still going to give you a shitload of money. Yeah. So that's that's my problem is is I just don't think that for what he likes to portray himself as he's necessarily been that guy to some degree. It's objective, too, man. That's just an opinion. So that's all we do, man. That's all we do. Guys, thank you for your three count. We thank everyone for listening to us. We definitely appreciate you. You want to continue to support it's a couple of ways. First thing, you can always hit up our cash app at uh, or money sign Vegas Bad Boys with a Z. Anything that you send in, we use to help promote our podcast through social media so other people can find us and listen to us and enjoy us like you do. The other way, just continue to listen, uh, download our program, download, tell others about us. You know, I'm sure if you heard something on Cornette or 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 Jericho show or or any other, you're running, you tell that. Go tell others about us, all right? And we're just trying to keep it just as uh, entertaining uh, as some of the others. So we appreciate you there. Uh, with that, Sin City Steve, what would you like to tell the good people out there this week? Thank you guys for hanging out with us. Thank you for liking, sharing, subscribing, doing all the stuff that you do. Uh, we do this show for you. So we definitely appreciate you uh, You know, just sharing us and uh, sharing the show with uh, friends and family and 
everybody that loves pro wrestling. So yeah. um, also um, very, very special shout out and special thank you to every brave man and woman serving this country, whether you're doing it on lands, both foreign and domestic. Thank you. You enable us to do not just this show, but everything that we do. We appreciate you, your sacrifice, your time, your effort, and everything. Uh, special shout out to our boy, the Storm and Mormon. John, we love you, brother. And uh, last but not least, repsports.com, reppsports.com. Go there for all of your pre-workout, general energy, and weight loss needs. That's repsports.com. Use promo code Vegas at checkout and save yourself 15%. Absolutely. Thank you much for that. Matt Michaels, what would you like to tell the good people out there? Hey, big congratulations to Rob Van Dam and Katie Forbes on officially getting married this past month. Uh, yeah. Nice. On 11-11. Yeah. Ah. <laughs> yeah, you would you would figure that. I mean, it would be cliche if you would have <laughs> done a 420 wedding. But uh, <laughs> hey, 11-11, that's, that's good enough. Yeah. Awesome. Well, congratulations to you both. All right. Uh, with that... Again, we appreciate you. Thanks for hanging out. We will see you uh, next week. All right. Until then, take care. Peace. Vegas Bad Boys of Podcasting.